if you are open, the world will be open to you and all the opportunities will come to you. Come, come, come and you will catch them. So it's easy. This podcast shows that Ukraine is not what foreigners see on television. Together, we will break all the stereotypes about Ukrainians so that when the flag of Ukraine is lifted anywhere in the world, everyone will know Ukraine and its unique culture because today, Ukraine has a dynamic new generation that will change the world. Hello, my name is Aziz and I have a deep connection with Ukraine. My grandfather volunteered in 1987 to help liquidate the Chernobyl chemical radiation because he believed in humanity. He was a real hero for me, and even though he struggled with cancer after that for the rest of his life, he always told me many great things about Ukraine and its people. Then... From 2018 to 2019, for two years, I began working with UNICEF in Ukraine to help build orphanages for Ukrainian children. And thank you all so much for the support. More than 215 people participated in this project for Ukraine, from the vice president of the Helen Morning Group to the vice chancellor of the UGCC Church to the president of the Erasmus Student Network Kiev, to the president of the World Trade Center Kiev, to students from the FLEX program, Ukraine Global Scholars, Yale University, Harvard, and the London School of Economics, to the United Nations, to interns at the Ukrainian Parliament and at the Canadian Parliament, to top 1% students in Ukraine. But not only them. This project is for all Ukrainians from all backgrounds. So if you wish to participate, send me a message on Instagram at aziz.future and join the Telegram channel Kiev Future. My goal is to make interviews with hundreds of Ukrainians and the world is listening. This podcast is already top 50 in the United Kingdom. France, Switzerland, and Monaco, top 25 in Austria, Germany, Canada, Russia, and Poland, top 15 in Australia, Italy, Spain, and Dubai, and top 10 in Norway, Sweden, the Netherlands, South Korea, Singapore, and many other places, because this is now officially the number one podcast on Apple about Ukraine. Together, we will break the stereotypes. Together, we will help all other countries discover and respect the greatness of Ukrainian people and this good reputation will support the development of Ukraine, creating more opportunities for every Ukrainian to have a better life. So let's begin. My guest today is Mariana Ostrovska. Mariana is a philology student specialized in Germanic languages and literatures, translation included, at National University of Kiev Mohila Academy. Born in Kostopil in the Rivne region, Mariana loves playing piano, learning design, drawing, and reading. 
She is interested in literature, psychology, philosophy. She enjoys editing, making short videos, taking photos, and she adores learning languages and public speaking. Mariana received the Teklia Binyuk Award in Petro Jakil Ukrainian Language International Competition. She volunteered in the world's largest Eco Lesson 2021. She won various school Olympiads and she participated and won the awards on the regional level in projects organized by the Junior Academy of Sciences in Ukraine. Her favorite saying is, practice makes perfect. So take small steps every day. And the quote she loves is, you can if you think you can. Mariana, how are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today. I'm excited because I can have this conversation with you and I want to begin with something a bit more emotional. You, Mariana, when you want to feel alive, to forget all troubles and to feel your favorite emotions inside, what is an activity that you like to do to feel exactly like that? To be honest, there are a lot of activities that make me feel alive. But I always turn to communication because communication for me is a process that gives me the flow of energy. And after having even a small conversation with someone, I'm always fulfilled with uh, the burning desire to create something, to work on myself and to become better. But uh, besides uh, this, I uh, devote a lot of my time to play the piano because for me instruments is the best way to relax after a hard day or after um, the failure or even if you have bad emotions playing the instruments is the best choice that you can make uh, when you are feeling blue and uh, I started playing piano when I was about five years old and I never regret this decision because when you are creating a music or just listening to it, it really helps you to uh, reflect, to think about something and just to recover from uh, something unpleasant. And uh, I clearly remember the moment when I wanted a real piano in my house. But um, so I decided to cut a piece of paper, draw a piano, and started playing. That was the moment when my parents decided that it's time time to buy a real piano to our house. So I'm really, I'm really glad that right now I continue doing this. And uh, for me, music still remains something that gives me energy as uh, communication. I love your answer, and if I understood you correctly, communication, even a small conversation and the feeling of exchange of energy really refills you, recharges you, and is a wonderful thing that you love, as well as playing instruments, and in your case, piano. It's a way that recharges you, and it's a passion in your life that started at five years old and you are so dedicated to it that even you are playing a 
a phantom piano <laughs> or an imaginary one until you got your real one. Did I understand correctly? Yes, exactly. Let's begin with communication and to understand it. First, is it more valuable and impactful to you to communicate with people in real life? Or can you get some of that energy even through text or virtual communication? To be honest, it's more valuable for me to communicate in real life because you can see the emotions of a person. So it's not only the information exchange, but the uh, exchange of emotions and feelings. So I think it's magic that we can share not only our ideas, but our feelings. And uh, unfortunately, we can't do this if we are talking via Zoom or via Instagram. So that's a pity for me. And I think that uh, coronavirus um, um, made a great impact on our mental health. And uh, saying from my experience, uh, I can say that it's really better to talk in real life because you can um, investigate a person only when you see her eyes or his eyes. And uh, unfortunately, you can't do this when you are just texting it. But uh, when it comes to serious deals, I'm text-overt. So I know that this is a new term that scientists provided us with, because as we know, there are extroverts or introverts, but text-overt is a new term. Uh, So I would rather say that uh, if we're talking about different deals, I'm a text-overt. Thank you. And... Let's begin even in a minute detail kind of way. When you walk around the city, do you feel the emotions of everyone walking around? It's enough for you to see someone to feel them? Or do you need to have that communication in order to get a sense of their emotions, sensations and energy? To be honest, for me, it's more important to have even a small talk, especially if it's a person whom I know, uh, if it's my friend or my relative. Uh, But uh, it's sometimes it's uh, impossible to do when uh, your parents or when your friends are abroad or something uh, or they are just uh, in Instagram. So for me, it's really important to to share our ideas, even if our conversation lasts for one minute or two. Wonderful. And tell me about emotions. I know this will be an unusual question, but how do you feel emotions? Do you feel them like sensations in your body? Do you feel them like warm or cold energy? Some guest I had here, she said she feels them like colors that she can feel. How do you feel emotions? Actually, it's a very interesting question, and I never heard it before. Uh, Only, but sometimes I uh, try to investigate myself, and uh, I think that psychologically, psychologically, questions are the most interesting nowadays. Because uh, if you know yourself, you can understand other people, and this is vital nowadays. So if we can, if we talk about my, if if we talk about my emotions, I feel them sometimes, as you said, as colors. Sometimes it may be the 
unexpected flow of energy. But uh, sometimes it seems to me that I'm a visual, so I can see like the pictures in my head, or uh, I try to recollect the moments in my head, so they uh, pops up, so, so they pop up in my head brightly, and I can recollect some pleasant moments from my life. It's vital to understand how you feel at a particular moment to know how to care about yourself. So we have to pay more attention, I think, to our feelings and our emotions just uh, to be happy not only now, but in a minute, in an hour, or tomorrow. Thank you. I have so many questions, but I want to begin with, in the dictionary of Mariana, what does it mean to be happy? That's a very fascinating question, actually, so thanks for it. Uh, I've asked myself this question a lot of times, and then I understood that happiness for me is in little things. So I found it in unexpected calls from old friends, or in wildflowers, in uh, loud mu music in cafes, or just, as I said, a lot of times today in simple conversations. So um, it was a period of time of my life when I really thought that I have to look for the happiness. So in every and each corner. But then I understood that's not the right way to do this, because after you uh, stop looking for it, you find it. And that's what I think about it. That's why I stopped doing this and just started enjoying every single minute. Even if, even if it's a routine life, especially nowadays during the pandemic era of coronavirus, we have to be thankful for all the moments we have, even if it's about our morning coffee or our Zoom chat. Uh, it doesn't matter. So my happiness is about small moments. I love your answer. I want to say I'm very similar. And I want to ask then a bit more, if I understood you correctly. When we chase something, it escapes. So if we're trying to pursue happiness in an active way, maybe we don't find it. But if we allow ourselves to feel the moment and be grateful and appreciate the potential for happiness in small things, that affects our psychology and it shows us the happiness or as psychologists will call it, priming our brain for that, but in a different way to you specifically. So when it's unexpected, therefore it's natural, and when it's in simple things, you, that's where you find the things that you can have, give the meanings that give you happiness. Did I understand you correctly? Yes, I think yes. If someone is listening and they don't understand how to do that, they think, okay, in my Zoom call, I feel bored or I feel <laughs> unhappy. How can I find some happiness there? Or they say, I wake up in the morning, I blame myself for drinking coffee, I'm like an addict, so I cannot find happiness there. How do you think, how does your brain function in order to allow you to find happiness in simple things? And if it's unexpected, 
it means it's a more of a receptive attitude rather than an active attitude. But tell me how it is for you. I think that our mindset defines what we see. So if you're uh, if you're thinking about only about the positive things, you will see your routine life from the another perspective. So you will not see, uh, say that you had a bad morning because of the spilled coffee. You will say that you had a great morning because of the breathtaking suns, uh, sunrise. Uh, and um, what if, but you said about unexpected things. Uh, that, yes, that's something that we can't control, unfortunately. But if we can, can't control it, we don't have to worry about it. Because it's not our power. We don't have power over it. So we don't have to spend our valuable time on these things. And it's better to focus on little jokes or uh, marvelous panoramas, I think. But it's only for me because sometimes uh, I, uh, I think that I'm an anesthetic lover. That's why it's easier for me to find something that will put a smile on my face. But um, even if I ask myself this simple question about happiness, I always come back to the same answer. So communication, as I've said before, and working on myself and love to the world are the things because of which uh, the little dimples on my blushing face appear. I like how visually descriptive <laughs> you are. So you're not internally visual only, but externally and your mindset reminds me of the philosophy of stoicism, which I embrace, or that serenity prayer that we ask for serenity to accept the things we cannot change, for the courage to change the things we can change, and for the wisdom to know the difference. So <laughs> to you, the things that make you blush and show dimples, etc. I will ask you then in a different way. It seems to me that you choose to live in the moment because the past, we cannot change it. Yes, we can extract lessons from it, but it should be done in a positive way. The future, yes, we can have intention and goals, but we cannot control what will happen. So if we live escaping to the future, we forget the now. If we live thinking about the past, we we make the now polluted <laughs> but if we're purely in the now then we can feel and those emotions and the exchanges of energy that is where the power and the meaning and the love is did i understand you correctly yes that's what i was talking about so uh, i like to analyze my past but i don't want to make it my uh, my now because uh, when you are constantly thinking only about the past events, you are concentrating on the past and then doesn't make you move. And I want to move. And I think that all of the people in the world want to uh, become successful. They want to, to have the future they want to have. So uh, that's why I think that we have to concentrate on, our, uh, on the moment we have but not the future and the past, as you said, yes. Thank you. And therefore, I feel like asking you a metaphysical question. <laughs> do you believe in destiny? Do you believe, like, what do you believe is our purpose here? 
I know that's a really big one. And do you believe it's up to us 100% to become successful and achieve our goals? Or it's as the uh, ancient Venetians used to say when they prayed to the goddess Fortuna and asked her to, to spin her wheel, they say that success is 50% good fortune and give the 50% hard work. I don't know what you feel about that. Your thoughts about destiny, about free will, <laughs> and about our place in the universe. But you're smart, so I enjoy having these deeper conversations with you. Thank you. You know, it's quite a difficult question, so I really hope that you are not uh, expecting a an accurate answer for me from me but what can i say that yes i believe in destiny and i believe in luck so even if you are trying your best you are put your effort in the deal you want to achieve success in it doesn't matter that you will achieve it because um, there are a lot of uh, external factors that also influence your decisions and your path so it doesn't mean that everything will be and everything will go as smoothly as you predict as and as you want it to be so i think that we have to uh, make our best we have to uh, try so hard and um, but we have to keep in mind that sometimes not everything is as we want it i love that that is so wise I agree with you, and I find that it's really stressful to believe that we control everything and to blame ourselves for everything, but a lot of people have that attitude, and I am more and more thinking that real success isn't really an external thing that you get, it's who you become as you grow through the journey, which means that let's say you go to a competition but you do better than you have ever done. And you're not number one, but you are number one to yourself because you exceeded your own past performance. And that is really something that should be valued and valuable in this world, rather than thinking it's a zero-sum game where there is one winner and the second, third, everyone else <laughs> is a loser which is not realistic and it only works in controlled environments like school or a competition, not in real life. What are your thoughts about that? And when it comes down to it, did you get to the point where you value happiness over validation or you still also want to have a lot of validation and you extract happiness from it? What I mean is sometimes to some people, they do what society expects and think those are the goals that will make them happy. And they chase those for 10, 20, 30 years, and suddenly they have a midlife crisis. And I know I'm speaking to you about some really big topics, but you can handle that, I know. So you're different in a way that you think, I guess maybe you're an old soul or something. So then they think, wow, I was chasing this mirage and in reality, I thought this goal was uh, what I wanted, but it's a goal that my family wanted or I wanted to impress the neighbors or whatever they will say. And then they think deep down and they think, no, my real goal was to be a painter or 
to go make a farm or <laughs> to go be a teacher and spend time with children or whatever it is. And that is what makes me happy. But they discover it after waiting a long, long time and wasting time, which is going after validation more than happiness. Since you're introspective, tell me more about your thoughts on this. What is your vision moving forward? And how do you balance the expectations from society with your own inner desires that give you that passion and vitality in life? To be honest, unfortunately, I can't avoid thinking about what other people think of me because expectations of society, they influence uh, each person in the world, I think, right now. But uh, I I do my best to limit this influence because I feel that as this influence doesn't help me to achieve my goals, but it ruins my plans. So I really try to listen to my heart because once once one of the volunteers who came to our school uh, for the Go Camp, the camp for young people, uh, which is aimed to popularize learning languages, and uh, he said to me that uh, I must always listen my I always must listen my heart to my heart and that was the moment when I realized that this uh, this phrase is really important for me especially in that moment because if I will chase other people's opinions if I will always think only about other people's lives it won't help me at all so right now I'm fighting with uh, other people's expectations, but I can't say that I uh, listen to my heart um, mm, completely. Wonderful question, as usual, from you. And then, before I ask the next question, I want to make sure, how what is the difference between listening to your heart and listening to your intuition? Is it the same thing? Is there a difference? And then I will ask a question. Actually, I think it's not the same because intuition may be influenced by different factors. Uh, It's uh, my subjective opinion. But when it comes to your uh, heart, when it comes to the decisions that are made uh, from your heart, they they aren't influenced by anything. So it's only your, uh, your desire and you try to make your dream happen so you won't listen anyone, I think. So we have to understand that there is a boundary uh, between uh, listening to your heart and listening to your intuition. I love that answer. And therefore, the heart is the unchanging, immutable thing. And in many ways, it shows you your purpose in life. And because you have that passion and heart desire for it, it's your manifest destiny to use a American historical world where what you want is already calling for you or as Goethe said, when we really commit to our heart's desires, it's as if the world and the universe conspire to help us, but it doesn't do so until we commit or as someone else said, if you commit 99%, that's painful, but 100%, that's really easy. So <laughs> that 1% of doubt messes up the whole thing. Well, my question is, how can someone know they're listening to their heart? And I will tell you why I ask this. 
a lot of people had at some point what they thought was their heart telling them and guiding them in a way that hurt them. So they have this phobia from doubting their own hearts, but maybe it wasn't their heart. Maybe it was like their mother's voice in their head (laughs) telling them something or their intuition as you defined it so eloquently. But how do you know you're listening to your heart? Is it a feeling? Is it some harmony sensation? Is it alignment? Like, what is the criteria that lets you know, this is my heart, I'm listening to it, rather than my intuition or what my grandmother told me when I was a baby? (laughs) And I don't remember it, but it's guiding me or whatever it is. What a great question, actually. Firstly, I think that this decision... uh, mustn't be spontaneous because if you make a spontaneous decision it means that you haven't taken into consideration all the factors that must be taken into it so uh, it must be uh, reflected a lot of times before you will be sure 100 percent that that's your way that that's your decision and it isn't influenced by anyone And, of course, there mustn't be any hesitation. So, no doubt, you must be sure that uh, you are doing this only for yourselves. And I think that if if you are making the decision, you must be sure that uh, it won't uh, help uh, any people. Like, if you are are, um, sure that your decision will help your mother or your father because they said, said you to do this or that, that's not your decision. You have to uh, be honest with yourself first and then all the other things. So uh, as far as I remember, one of the wise people once told me then you have to be a friend to yourself. So if you are honest, if you are, uh, if you are, don't lie to yourself, if you uh, take into consideration all the things from your childhood and uh, you listen to your desires and interests that you have right now, then your decision, especially it is an important one, like choosing your path in the life, then you will achieve, uh, you will reach your goal and achieve success. I really can tell that you reflect a lot, you think a lot, and I like that very much. So I'll throw a curveball and ask a funny <laughs> question, but it has also some depth to it. I don't know whether you read the book Fight Club by Chuck Palahniuk or even listening to Gary Vee, but Fight Club there, only when you lose everything, that's what the, the main idea from the book is, when you lose everything, only then you're free to be anything you want. Or as Gary Vee says, you have to disappoint your parents and everyone else. Only then you can make your own decisions following your heart. But as long as you haven't experienced that, there is that fear of losing the validation of other people and it controls and it takes so much from life. And I believe life is so precious. We really only have this second, this moment, and it belongs to us, but so many people give it away freely. And it's something they wouldn't do with money, although a lot more important things are more valuable than money. But I mean, like in a physical sense, if someone from the street comes to them 
and tells them, oh, give me your money, they will say no. But if those people come and expect from them to have the wrong career, they will do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's much worse than um, that. So I'm asking you, what are your thoughts on this? Is it possible to be completely us without first disappointing everyone and losing everything so that we are not fearing it anymore? Because when you reach rock bottom, there is no lower point, And therefore, you can go up any mountain you choose. But if you're high, then you worry about losing. And therefore, you're a prisoner of the expectations for way too long. And that is unhappy. Actually, this, uh, um, this moment from the book is uh, really the source of reflection. Uh, and I'm sure that I will reflect after our conversation about it. But uh, now I regret that I haven't uh, read this book yet. But I I'm sure I will do this. And what I can I say about this is that uh, I agree with this opinion because when you have something, as you said, you're always um, worrying about uh, losing it. And in this perpetual pursuit, you, it's easy to lose something valuable that is actually in front of your eyes. So you don't have to um, uh, be burdened with something to achieve. You have to be clean and neat to uh, start your career uh, because... Uh, it will it will be the great base for new achievements, I think. And yes, it's a great opinion, and I would like to uh, think more about it later. Thank you. How do you think? Do you journal and do diagrams as a visual person, etc.? Or are you like Madame Bovary <laughs> and Emile Zola's characters in the French literature, where? You sit near the window, you look out at the world, and you daydream and think. Actually, it depends. Sometimes when I need uh, some time to um, be alone or something, I can't uh, spend even a whole day just uh, seeing, uh, just watching through my window and um, thinking about my uh, plans or decisions, but... Uh, I really like journaling because it helps me to uh, keep everything organized, my time, my plans, and my life. So I think if you write down something, it will be done. And if you don't do this, it won't be done. So it's easy. Thank you. That is wonderful. And there was research recently on psychology saying that actually procrastination isn't a bad thing, but we humans have different moods throughout the day. And maybe if we schedule that at 10 a.m. we'll write an essay, maybe our mood in 10 a.m. is to work out or to rest. Well, if we did it at 1 p.m., that essay will be so easy to do because we'll be in the right mood. And therefore, some people recommend and say, write your to-do and then follow your mood for whatever you will be doing, knowing at the end of the day you'll do everything, but without putting what goes first and second, but listening to yourself first. While other people say, no, actually, if I don't have an executive function <laughs> of being my own boss and telling myself what to do, then probably some people say, 
oh, I will get lazy and yes, I could do it at 1 p.m. But if I don't have a schedule, I'll probably watch Netflix and eat chips all day. (laughs) (laughs) Therefore, at least I do it like struggling rather than not doing it. (laughs) Which one do you think fits you and what are your thoughts about this? Yes, actually, I totally agree with you that sometimes you just give to, you just have to give yourself some time because uh, our body uh, can scream like, uh, give me some time, I need to rest a little bit and then I will do everything. And we are just ignoring it. And that's a pity because um, from my experience, I can say that even uh, 30 minutes of sleep or 30 minutes of walk really helps me to concentrate after so if i will work about five hours or six hours without breaks uh, it really ruins my motivation to uh, continue doing this what i started doing so um, as far as i remember there is even the research of psychologists which tells us that uh, it's really necessary to have breaks every single every 20 minutes so this is the best way to boost your productivity and uh, I think that's that's it. So I subscribe to this theory and try to make breaks every 40 minutes because uh, every 20 minutes is not for me. Um, it's uh, too often for me, I think. Yes, you're speaking about the circadian rhythm and a little bit about the Pomodoro technique. And I like that very much. Then let's go back to communication. What I notice is that there is a mix of old thinking and modern thinking. Before, we used to live in tribes of maximum 100 people. And therefore, to have harmony, we couldn't be 100% ourselves because we didn't want to have conflict with other people. But in a world with 8 billion people, instead of like corrupting ourselves in order to be liked, I believe the right way is to find our people, the people we feel like we know forever, we have chemistry, we have the right alignment with from the beginning. And to have some of those people is better than having 100 acquaintances that we cannot be ourselves with and that are not really wouldn't like us if we were ourselves because they're too different. So in you, when it comes to communication, do you feel sometimes or you prefer to communicate with the people that you feel so good about communicating with them or are you someone who is curious about everyone and you don't have that kind of uh, feeling about people but you rather experience all emotions all energies positive negative energy vampires (laughs) whatever it is you're accepting and tolerant of everyone Or what are your thoughts about what I said? I totally agree with your opinion about uh, about the fact that uh, people are are ones who need someone to be near, to be to give them a hand when it's really important. So uh, I think that we have to uh, communicate not just because of the information, but uh, because of the. Uh, emotions exchange, as I said before. That's why uh, I try to find my people, as you said, but it's not that easy as I thought it to be. So um, I don't meet these people really often. But if I meet them, then I uh, 
can't live without them and spend a lot of time with them. It's really hard to answer all your questions because they're too deep. And um, But I think that if we are started looking for people, then you'll find yours. And it's not a big deal if you are constantly uh, in the groups of people, you'll find those who are who will be motiv- who will build the motivation for you thank you well to me one right person is better than a thousand mediocre and you know mediocre means just average and <laughs> it's so funny that everybody thinks mediocre means it's bad but all mediocre means it's just okay so five out of ten <laughs> is mediocre and so okay you said you're a text over correct yes that's it. I had multiple girls on my podcast who said actually something that inside they can be full of emotions and outside if they're shopping or walking in the street or sitting on a bench they have this very serious poker face that <laughs> people look at them and think why is she so angry I don't understand <laughs> but she can be happy inside or whatever since text-overt means like you're so outgoing in text but shy in person, is that your situation too, that your face uh, might be emotionless when you're not with your best, best friends, but you can be full of emotions and not even notice this? Or what are your thoughts about this topic? To be honest, I've always thought that I am open-minded person. So, uh, and my friends always tell me that it's easy to read to me like a book. So it's they always know how I feel today or how I felt yesterday. So it's not a big deal to tell what's on my mind uh, in a particular moment. So uh, I can say that I try to be open because I really like open. Uh, open-hearted people they really attract me so if i want to communicate with uh, open people i have to be open uh, myself that's why i do this but sometimes it's really hard to do this in this harsh world because you never know uh, what is the situation and sometimes people can be rude to you and you even can't predict it so, but I really advise everyone to be open because if you are open, you start uh, perceiving this world from another perspective. Um, if you are open, the world will be open to you and you will, and all the opportunities will come to you. Come, 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 and you will catch them. And I think that's it. <laughs> I love that. Einstein said that the most important question facing humanity is is the universe a friendly place? Or, you know, if you expect the world to be nice, it will be nice. And like you said, all the opportunities will come and you catch them. If you expect the world to be grim, then it will be like the grim reaper. (laughs) So (laughs) it's taking your soul and killing you. So, okay, I will ask you another very deep question. Why? Because you can handle it. Actually, you're a really deep thinker. I think you're a philosopher, which is really nice to say because the original meaning of philosopher is a lover of wisdom. So any person who loves wisdom is by definition a philosopher. It's not a title. It's the same as mediocre. (laughs) Now became like only a few people can be philosophers. No, all humans who love wisdom are 
philosophers and Mariana is a philosopher too. So you can write it after your name <laughs> in social media, Mariana, okay. the philosopher. Okay. Well, okay, the question is... Thank you. <laughs> What does it mean? What is friendship in a different way? Imagine you're an alien from Mars. You arrive to Earth and you watch people being together and you notice some people are closer than others. And you ask, what is that? They say, oh, they're friends. Then you ask, what is friendship? And how is the process to you that people become your friend? Is it time that is required or can you feel from the very beginning you know someone all your life? Is it that you need to know their life story or not? Is it that you need to have similar values or actually be different so that you learn from each other in a different way? Like, what is to you? What is friendship? How does it work <laughs> for you? And, you know, tell me all that. Actually, if you say that I'm a philosopher, I should have said that uh, friendship is a special connection between two or more people. But no, I can say that friendship is uh, the process of working on your relationships. It doesn't matter if this is romantic relationships or it's just friendship. You have to uh, not only to trust this person, but work on these relationships again and again every single minute because some people are convinced that if they have a friend that's all they don't have to do anything just enjoying this friendship and having some fun together maybe yes that's it but um life is not only black or not only white you have to be aware of the unexpected uh, arguments and conflicts and if you are not able to reach the consensus with a person you can't say anything about friendship so for me uh, it's um, the long process of uh, understanding a person of spending a lot of time with uh, him or her uh, to to feel this connection and if you feel that then it will be easier to work on it so i can say from my experience that my friends uh, know me inside and out and i think it's vital because if you don't know uh, something about a person uh, this little fact may ruin your relationships in the future or even now so um, a lot of people think that this distrust uh, doesn't ruin anything, but it does. And uh, I think that if you call a person a friend, then you are 100% sure that this person will come when you ask uh, him or her to do this. But if he won't, then this person can be called a friend. Thank you. I'm hearing there the philosophy of <laughs> postmodern deconstructivism. <laughs> You're speaking about that as well as the thoughts of the black swan events from uh, Talib. Uh, it's a great and famous book. And even a friend in, in need is a friend indeed. So <laughs> it's like all the stuff you're speaking about it. And okay, piano. How do you feel the emotions of piano? Is it colors? So you're like Mozart and you have synesthesia where you see sounds as colors. Uh, how do you flow with the emotions? Did you have that experience of flow where when you know how to play it so well, the piece, 
your body moves and you feel almost like you're watching greatness, like something is playing through you, some divine power or something like that, creating the music. And you're almost surprised at yourself thinking, wow, I am doing this, but I'm not doing it. It's like happening through me as something deeper. Did you have such, such an experience? And you probably did since you have more than a decade of experience in piano. And that is one part of the evolution, or if you think about Maslow's hierarchy, the self-transcendence, but used in a piano context. So where you're not you, but you become music, flow, emotion, and there is no difference between you, the music, and the piano. Tell me about that, your thoughts. Yes, you described um, the process of perceiving music uh, of um, uh, exactly as I feel it, because uh, when I uh, touch the keyboard of piano, uh, I feel the wave, and especially when I know the piece of music really well, uh, I feel this, uh, again, connection. So I'm connected with the world, as you can see, because um, it's like surfing. When I um, use different, uh, how to say, when I use different um, moments of uh of the piece of music, I feel that uh, I start with one emotion and I end with another. So we can even say that it's like uh, expressing all your um, inner world just in five minutes or in three minutes. And I think it's beautiful. It's magic that we can express ourselves in different ways. No matter is it piano or is this writing texts or uh, creating podcasts, that's great that we uh, can share something we have with this world. Yes. So you're not only a philosopher, but you're an emotional surfer. <laughs> and I like what you talked about. That is the thought from Jordan Peterson that actually the role of every human being is we have a different piece of the puzzle to the world that nobody else has because we have our own unique fingerprint of brain and personality and life history. And therefore, expressing our inner map is the value we add to the world because we share something that nobody else can feel or see. I don't know whether you are expressing this right now, but then I am surprised. So the music is expressing your emotions or it's giving you new emotions. Because from what I heard, it seems to me that you generate the emotions, although the piece is the same, maybe the emotions could be different on different days based on what you feel, how it evolves, what you express. Or is it that the pieces give you those new emotions and you're like receiving, receiving, receiving. Can you please clarify this point? To be honest, it seems to me that the initial aim of the playing, of the process of playing the instruments is to uh, express your emotions uh, using these instruments. But uh, from my experience, I can say that uh, I receive emotions too, but they are already transformed. So if I... Um, 
put sadness in the piece of music and then I can receive happiness because of the long process of playing. So I think it's uh, even more magical that we can not only express something but receive transformed emotions uh, and um, influence our, uh, our mental health condition. That's great. Thank you. And how is this exactly similar or different to good conversation? Uh, actually, it is the same dose of endorphins I receive after a great conversation and after uh, some time playing my piano. So uh, I think they are the same uh, energy givers for me. I love that. What is energy to you? What does it do? Is it inspiring? Is it motivating? Is it recharging? Is it the raw material for productivity? <laughs> you know, because it could be all these things, but I want to understand you, the way you feel and see the world. So what is energy? How does it relate to emotions? And is it something you use for inspiration, motivation, productivity? Tell me more. For me, energy is this is the flow, uh, especially when it uh, it is always out of the blue moon, so it is unexpected. Uh, and when I was, uh, for example, just having a walk with my friend, and then inspiration suddenly hit me. So it means that uh, this flow of energy is always unexpected. And I can say that for me, it's something that forces me to start a new project, uh, to uh, go to a new place, to uh, plan a trip. So it's something that forces me to move. And I think that we have to understand our energy givers to be always full of it and to achieve our, our goals. <laughs> I love that. That is also another way to say passion and vitality. And therefore, I will ask you, because I noticed and observed about myself that around 9 p.m. or 10 p.m., I get this huge doses of inspiration mm -hmm. and creativity, whether a new idea, a new project, a new thing to write, music, whatever it is. And if I don't do anything with it and wait for the next day, First, it's frustrating, and I might lose that feeling the next day if I don't begin. But if I begin, I'm so excited that I have insomnia. So it's not <laughs> a good thing in the end. Do you have that experience? Are you a night owl or a morning person? What is your deal? Actually, I feel the same as you said, because if I'm procrastinating and uh, putting down all my uh, on my tasks or something, uh, it, um, it leads to frustrating results because, as you said, I don't have this burning desire the next day to finish it. And that's a great problem because you have to start something or continue when you have this lift of emotions. Then it will uh, have more chances to be successfully finished than in the other moments, I think. So that's why uh, I've heard about one advice, um, one piece of advice about uh, carrying a small notebook with you, no matter where you go. 
like even if it's a small walk or with friends or just uh, something uh, a short um, meeting with uh, someone in a cafe you always have to uh, keep a little notebook not your notes in the phone because it doesn't help you you have to write down all the ideas uh, as soon as they came to your head and then uh, even if you will see the written description of this idea you will uh, feel something that resembles the flow of energy you felt this this same day i love how emotional you are if i were to describe you as a person you're like emotions and living a life, right? <laughs> I don't know how to, <laughs> to say it. And therefore, you're alive because without emotions, there is no life really. And that's why I like to have these podcasts about emotions. Although with you, it's like the most emotional and deep podcast of all. But you can handle it because I believe you're an old soul and you're a reflective uh, kind of person. So... Since you're speaking about advice, a lot of people suffered because of the pandemic. They felt emotionless, stuck, depressed, whatever it is. They felt lethargy. They felt lazy, procrastinating, lost. So many words, but it doesn't do justice to how the world has changed. So to you, if you are to give a piece of advice, you believe the world should hear or that will benefit anybody listening that your heart wants to share, what could this be? And say it, share it, let it be one with the moment. Actually, I would like repeat a piece of advice we were talking about today. This is the phrase, listen to your heart. If you will listen to your heart, even if you have uh, hard times, especially during the pandemic of coronavirus, uh, you will find the way to feel this happiness. So I really hope that if all the people on the planet will listen to their hearts, everything will be okay, or at least better than it is right now. And I really hope that it will lead to the results we all want to have. I agree with you. That is like the basic thing to begin to be happy. Without that, there is no happiness possible. There is only placebo and placation and distraction, which is unfortunately what most people do. They live lives of quiet desperation, as Thoreau wrote a while ago. So this was a pleasure, an honor, and a privilege. If people want to learn more about you and to follow you, which social media will be best to do that? And is there any project that you're thinking about right now that maybe you want to raise awareness about? You can share some information about that as well, because why not? So as I said, I'm open to new, uh, to new meetings and new communi communications. So if you want to find me, it's better to, uh, to find me in Instagram or in Telegram. That works better. Thank you so much, Mariana. I wish you a brilliant day full of exchanges of energy, <laughs> full of listening to your heart, full of finding the surprising and unexpected natural <laughs> potential for happiness from every moment, every experience. And I wish you a great day. 
Thanks, thank you a lot for this possibility. Wish you the same. And I wish you a lot of success with your project. Have a nice day today too.